Welcome to the Conquer Your Draft Podcast, where fantasy champions are made. Welcome back to the Conquer Your Draft Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Josh, and with me as always is Mike. How you doing, Mike? I'm in my post-draft hangover still. Uh, we yeah. did our Housley draft uh, for us like three days ago. And I, I got to tell you, Josh, I've done nothing for two days. Oh, it's not even, out of a hangover, eh? Oh, yeah. Like, it's not even, I'm not even lying. And I'm not even over-exaggerating for the sake of comedy. Saturday, no, Sunday was our draft. Monday and Tuesday, I did not work. Just called in sick to work. Well, I don't have to necessarily, like, I have such, I have the type of work where I kind of, like, work when I sort of, like, need to type of thing. Um, and I have a lot of work to do and it all piled up on Wednesday, but yeah, I essentially responded to people being like, yeah, like I need, I'm taking a day. So I guess like technically did call in sick. People knew I wasn't doing anything, but yeah, it's for two days. Cause I just couldn't Jeez. do anything. <laughs> I like, was so exhausted mentally and physically. <laughs> I was going to say I had a bit of a, like a post draft hangover as well as is in like, I needed to take a break from mock drafts for a day or two. <laughs> Um, but all right. Yeah, I guess it hit you a lot, a lot harder. Okay. Listen, I, as the commissioner of our league, I think people think I have nothing, like you have nothing to do if you're the commissioner. I have actually quite a bit to do and quite a bit on my plate. And then with us drafting and the way we manage things, I'm managing that draft. I'm not just sitting there. I'm, I am managing that draft as we're going along in it. So there's a lot to do. I had to draft two teams. I got thrown off at one point in time. It was a very late night. I had to upload everyone's teams manually to, to the NFL fantasy website. And and now we're ready to go. Like we do things manually. So I don't think that uh, I don't think I have the same experience as other managers uh, and, and, and other commissioners for that matter. Well, that's what you get for doing it manually, I guess. Well, that's, that first is of the all, price you pay. It is the price to pay, but it's the better way to do it, frankly. It's more personal. It's more, it, it harpens back to when we used to get together in a room to do it. We just don't do oh, it yeah, now like, because we're physically all in separate places. I, I'm all for offline drafts. Yeah, like I agree. It's much more fun in person. Um, obviously, we can't do that just because of the geography. Um, I, I fully agree with you there. Yeah, but it does add a lot of headaches in terms of having to add yeah. everything on and no, it does. It does. Yeah. So it's been a it's been a couple days of a hangover. So I, I feel like I'm coming out of it now. I had a full day of work of catching up on things I should have been doing <laughs> for the past two days. Um, so yeah, now I'm uh, I'm back. How do you feel about your team? I feel okay. I feel better than I did last year coming out of the draft, only because. I think I've gone through such a difficult draft last year that I was able to, I know I was able to rebound and do well. So I, I feel okay. I went, I essentially ended up going no RBs. Like for the most part, my ended up my draft strategy being, I went for some depth of wide receiver. I made sure I grabbed a good quarterback and I really didn't focus on running backs. I really liked that. I stole some running backs later. I, I like a couple of the running backs that I got later on that I think are starting running backs on their team and don't have a lot of competition around them. Uh, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. 
I would say, am I exactly where I want to be? No, but it's a long season ahead. There's lots of time to make transactions and trades. Now, I'm not I'm not one of the two sociopaths in our league who decided to already make transactions because there's only two people in our league, uh, <laughs> you being one of them, and you, you're both sociopaths for what you're, you're doing. Now, to be fair, the, the one transaction I made was because the day after our draft, my kicker got traded. So I just <laughs> picked up the guy from the team that he, I just dropped him and got the guy who became the starter. I don't I think mean, that I, really counts. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. I see a second transaction you did here. Um, yeah, that one. I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll, I'll stick with that. The title. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough on that one. And uh, yeah, you and you and the other the other team here. There's two of you. You're both sociopaths. Like the draft just ended, and you're already making a bunch of moves. Like, come on, hey. <laughs> we're not even into week one yet. Playing chess while you're playing checkers, buddy. Oh uh, yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I'm happier. I will say that I'm happy enough with my team that I'm okay going into week one as is. Like, I'm fine to start my week one matches and see. There's a lot of question marks I have about a few of my players, but I have I have unquestionably the number two tight end in the entire league. I have, made like, a top five wide receiver for sure, maybe the number two, maybe the number three wide receiver. And I, I really like that I got Alexander Matheson late in the draft. He is the number one running back with the Minnesota Vikings, and I don't... Uh, he Dalvin Cook, even with Jefferson and with the other fantastic you know weapons they have on that team, had a fantastic season statistically last year. So if Matheson as a starter has a great season for them, I think I am in very good shape. So I feel I feel good enough about my team not to make a bunch of moves like some people, you and the guy who was who I had to draft for him. And I guess my drafting was not good enough because he already made two transactions. Hey. Got to improve where you got to improve. How do you feel about your team? Obviously not great if you've already made two moves. Like you've already traded out your kicker, which I guess makes sense. But you just dropped Romeo Dobbs, who you took late in the draft, to get Kareem Hunt. Yeah, because, well, I guess we were going to talk about it in the news, but I guess we can talk about it now. Um, Kareem Hunt has received offers from four different teams so Mm -hmm. it seems pretty clear he's going to be on a team which is now is going to be a matter of which team and uh aren't you rolling the dice a bit though because you don't know which like what if he's on a team that already has a like really good running back then he can go back onto the waiver wire and be be set free (laughs) back into the wild and you're fine if you lose romeo dobson so what what was what was the draft pick then for him like what what was the reasoning behind picking him in the first place Picking Romeo Dobbs? Yes. Oh, he same same as as Kareem Hunt. Just a potential upside pick. You know, maybe he becomes the wide receiver one for the Packers. Maybe he doesn't. He has a hamstring injury right now. So I'm willing because if if Kareem Hunt signs with the team and ends up being the starter, so so let's let's break down. We'll use this to segue into the news because we do have a lot of news to cover. Sure. So so Jonathan Taylor. Uh, was not traded like I expected because, according to the Colts, they never received a trade offer for fair value for him. That's, so he's gonna, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, also the other mystery team with the Dolphins was the Green Bay Packers. It, that's, really, that's come out. Yep. Wow. Uh, so between the Dolphins and the Packers, they couldn't give up fair value, according to the Colts. So now Jonathan Taylor is going to stay with the team, and he's staying on the 
pup list from the preseason. Yeah. So he he's going to miss a minimum of four games. And essentially, if he misses two more games, like if he stays on the pup list past that, that counts as a year of his contract, like fulfilled, because you can't hold it against him for being injured. And right. the team never took him off the injured list. So he could potentially hold in, like not hold out, like I'm not going to come to the team at all. He's holding in and just saying, nope, I'm not healthy enough to play. And that counts as a contract year for him. And next year, maybe he gets franchise tagged, maybe he gets cut, released, traded, whatever happens. But that becomes next year problem. And he doesn't have to worry about this year on the contract. So with all of that in mind, we already know that the Colts have offered Kareem Hunt uh, a contract. He turned it down because he wanted a better one. Now they're kind of in a position they might need to give him a better one because, quite frankly, I would say Kareem Hunt's probably better than Zach Moss and Deion Jackson, Evan Hull. They don't have anyone on their team if Jonathan Taylor's not going to play for them. Like, they don't no, have a good running no. back. Kareem Hunt so, would become the number one back in, in with the Colts. If that if that's what would happen, yes, it would be Kareem Hunt over those guys. If, exactly. Again, this is if Jonathan Taylor's not going to play at all. So the upside there trumps the upside of maybe being the number one Packers wide receiver while having a hamstring right. injury. Uh, right. The other teams that have been named in contention for uh, Kareem Hunt were uh, the Vikings, but I'm guessing because since they signed Miles Gaskin now, they probably are out of contention there. Yeah. Uh, so there's another, another piece of news. Miles Gaskin was dropped by the Dolphins, has now been signed by the Vikings. Um. The Bills were also named, and the Saints were also in there. So these are all teams that could use a veteran, talented running back. So, Mm -hmm. But the Bills, I don't really love because of just, well, you and I have spoken at length about how they use running backs and stuff, but still an amazing... Yeah, yeah, still an amazing offense to be attached to, though. Uh, New Orleans, Alvin Kamara is missing three games. They have Jamal Williams, I would say... Kareem Hunt would probably start over Jamal Williams. Maybe they split time. Not the best landing spot, not the worst. Um, and then we got the Colts, like we just went over. So, yeah, if if he works out, perfect. If he doesn't, I have zero issues dropping him because Romeo Dobbs was like my second or third last pick in the draft anyways. And that's where, yeah. like we talked about, that's where you take those shots. I just pivoted away to a different shot. And before you move on in the rest of the news, kind of, Take us through your feelings about the rest of your fantasy team having now a couple days to reflect. I am very happy with my wide receiver core. I have two, I think, top five wide receivers in Tyreek Hill and AJ Brown. Um, Outside of that, there's not much guaranteed. Uh, I've got Mike Evans as a wide receiver three. My running back room outside of Nick Chubb. I've got uh, a lot of guys who are projected to be the starters, and if they all end up in like workhorse roles, I should be fine. I'll have a lot of volume that should cover off any injuries or any weakness in that area. And then as long as Geno Smith can even come close to replicating last year, I should do fine. And then God can only help me in terms with Kyle Pitts, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> you picked Kyle Pitts. Like, I, I, I got sniped. I had... I had it locked in. I was like, okay, I'm taking a tight end of this round. We've got Darren Waller, George Kittle, Kyle Pitts, Dallas Goddard left. By the time it got back to me at the last pick of that round, Kyle Pitts was the only one left. The only one left. So yeah, I was, everyone picked him. It's like, <laughs> well, here we are. So I don't love it, but I'm willing to roll with it. I do think he is still the best receiving option on the team. 
but whether or not that can pan out, we'll see. It's a terrible team. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. It was such an interesting, we were chatting with such an interesting draft again this year. It always is adds kind of an interesting level of stress the way like our draft can go into really different, like, I don't know, different streams of consciousness that pass from group to group. Like we're all going to take tight ends right now. And then there's like a run on them and there's all these runs that happen that make it kind of challenging and throw you off. But then you also got saddled with the last pick, I think, or the, one of the last picks, maybe not the last pick, but you were, you were at the bottom a lot. You did not have a great pick yeah. in the first couple of rounds. Similar no, to what I, uh, last year. yeah, I don't think I had a top five pick until the sixth round. And then I had a couple of number ones, but then I would go like, I would pick first and then last the next round. So it, uh, yeah, had to make the most with what I got, but, uh, we're, in a half PPR league, I'm hoping my elite wide receiver core can just carry my team and Geno Smith can c- carry in the torch. Yeah, I had, so I had one first pick, which was round like four or five. And then I had the, I had the fifth pick, I think in the first round. And that was it. I didn't have another top five pick in the rest of the draft. <laughs> like the rest of the draft, I was out of the, I was never in the top five because we'll wait. Like I think we've explained uh, on air before that the way we do it is every round is a different draft order and it's selected right in front of you. So it took only about 20 minutes this time. We actually sped through it a lot faster than I thought, but it was about 20 minutes of picking using playing cards and you're just, it's just random all over the place. And it was, uh, it was wild. It was, it was a wild uh, draft order. There was some definitely some people who got beneficial, like couple high picks in a row at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Oh well. That's now that that's the foundation. Now it now it comes into the, the, the in season management. Yep. Like, and I'm already like, I'm yeah. already on it. Like we talked about last year, I was in the same boat you were. Really bad score coming out of it. Really bad, like draft grade. Not a great draft. Ended up finishing second. So you never know what can happen. That, that was step one. We have our teams. Now we start going. Yes, you and the other sociopath have made moves already. I'm going to wait to see how my my boys perform week one. I, I Hey, I'll make moves every single week, but I'm going to wait for the first couple games, see how things go. I'm confident enough and just keep watching the two. Uh, I get to watch both your little logos here. Uh, yeah. Go back and forth as you both, both infuriating logos. Um, yeah go back and forth as you both make really strange moves, but you know, we'll see. <laughs> all right, let's get through the rest of this news. It's been a busy week. The 49ers traded Trey Lance to the Cowboys in exchange for a 2024 fourth round pick. So the Trey Lance dynasty in San Francisco has officially come to an end. And the holdout, it. you, you love it. Absolutely. This was a fantastic move. I mean, Dallas needs a quarterback, so it's a that's fantastic That's not named Dak move. Prescott. Well, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm, that's what I mean. Dak Prescott's not not an NFL quarterback. Um, so I think this was a fantastic move. They they're going to need someone. Dak's going to get injured, probably game four or five, uh, and they need some assurance. And it's a good hey. Sometimes players just need a fresh start. So I think this was a smart move by the Cowboys, who have felt like hey, they've been an okay team but haven't won anything and have been a mediocre franchise for too long. So they're, they're America's team. They've got to step up here. And I think it was a good move. 
it, for both for both player and team. It's a good move. Well, we'll see if Trey Lance can make his way onto the field at some point out there. Uh, the Raiders. If Dak's Josh... injured, he will. Sorry, you want to move? Well, on. yeah. If he if but he is if injured, he, yeah. if he gets hurt, like Dak Prescott's had a bad history recently of getting hurt, and I hope he's he's perfectly healthy, so everyone can finally see he's not a top ten quarterback. But if he struggles or gets hurt, they're gonna they're gonna throw Lance out there. He was a former like what third overall pick, so there's no way they're not gonna they're not gonna have some kind of leash on Dak Prescott. Maybe it's not a short one. Maybe they'll let him kind of go. But I bet you they're gonna pull him out of there if there's a if there's a problem. If he looks like he's gonna get injured, they won't want to risk it. They'll say, "Well, we got Trey Lance. We're gonna give him a shot." Yeah, yeah, I guess. That's pr- that's probably the only way that we will see him. Unfortunately, is if Dak gets hurt. But yeah, uh, the Raiders and Josh Jacobs came to terms on a one-year deal worth up to twelve million dollars. So, if you haven't had your draft yet, he is good to go to draft. If you took the shot on him prior to this, then it all pan it all worked out for you. So, congratulations. It's about time that 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 deal got signed. I mean that that needed to get done, and it's about time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the New York Giants are releasing running back James Robinson, so he has now been released by two different teams this offseason. Something's going on there. I don't know Don't know what. Um, the Patriots made some moves. They traded running back Pierre Strong to the Browns in exchange for offensive tackle Tyrone Wheatley. And then they traded their kicker, Nick Folk, to the Titans for a 2025 seventh-round pick and waived both their backup quarterbacks, Bailey Zappi and Malik Cunningham, before signing them both back to the practice squad. <laughs> to the practice squad, yeah. <laughs> so obviously something's still going to happen there because you need to have more than one quarterback on the depth chart because um, currently it is just Mac Jones. So either one of them will get back up onto the roster or they're going to be bringing someone else in, making some more trades before the start of the season, which is very, very late. Um, seems a little strange, but I guess it's as clear of an indicator as possible right now that Mac Jones is their guy. Until we hear differently, so. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they've got the practice roster and they can move those players up if they need to, but they're clearly saying, at least for now, that there's other positions they want at depth to fill up their 53-man roster, I think. I think it's like 53. Yeah, so they obviously felt, Belichick probably felt like, I've got other positions where I want backups. I can put two quarterbacks on the practice roster and and if there's an injury or whatever, we'll deal with it later. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, it's a bit of a confidence boost for, for Mac Jones, I guess. Just, hey, you're our guy. Let's do this. We'll, we'll see if it works out. I don't know. Um, the Browns traded the Los Angeles Chargers a seventh-round pick in exchange for kicker Dustin Hopkins, which prompted my uh, fantasy adjustment uh, that Mike spoke so eloquently about. Well, and <laughs> the come, on, newer... come on. Yes, that context explains a little bit, but you're both nuts. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. believe that. I upload I upload the teams and like less than two days later, there's two of you making moves and we haven't even gotten to week one. <laughs> Fantasy come football on. never sleeps, buddy. Yeah, whatever. That's ridiculous. Wait and let your players play a week. Nah, <laughs> nah. Uh, New Orleans Saints traded kicker Will Lutz to the Broncos. So a lot of kickers were moving this week. Uh, the Cardinals are keeping quarterback Kyler Murray on the pup list this past this week's deadline. So he's going to miss a minimum four games to start the season. 
Um, not entirely unexpected with how late in the season his injury was. He'll probably be back at some point this season towards the middle to end. But with what we saw last year with Deshaun Watson, obviously it's a very risky risky pick. He's going to be rusty. He's going to, he might not be running. Like you might not be getting the same Kyler Murray. So I know he's going undrafted in a lot of leagues and it's probably the best place. Maybe take a flyer on him off the waiver wire as it gets a bit closer to him coming back. Mm -hmm. If you really need the QB depth or help, but otherwise I'd say find a safer option. Running back Zonovan Knight has been waived by the Jets. And Melvin Gordon, running back for the Baltimore Ravens, has been released as well. New York Giants activated Wandale Robinson off of the pup, so he'll be back for their wide receiver core to start the year. Um, Broncos wide receiver Jerry Judy will not be placed on the pup, so he will not have to miss four games. I don't believe he's going to be back for week one, so he, he might still miss a week or two, but it sounds like they're expecting him back sooner than a month. Um, we spoke before about Cortland Sutton and how he has increased value might only be for the first couple of weeks of the season. And then he's back to sharing with Judy, but we also know that hamstring issues can become recurring. So something to just keep an eye on. Um, I think Judy would end up being better than Sutton in the long run, but if Sutton's the only guy, then you got to go with what you got. Yeah. I mean, you don't have a choice. No, you don't. (laughs) At that point, but yeah. Yeah. And the Denver Broncos traded tight end Albert Okwegubanam. I have I did not say that right. I'm sorry. And for a 2025 seventh round pick to the Eagles, or sorry, with a 2025 seventh round pick to the Eagles for a 2025 sixth round pick. So the Eagles add a little bit of tight end depth, and the Broncos bump up a a draft round two years from now. Hmm. And that is it for this week's news. So now we've got a lot more to cover, so stay tuned. We're going to be talking about conquerors and busts, as well as some starts and sits for the season opener. It'll be the only Thursday night start sits that you'll hear on this podcast this season. If you want more starts and sits for Thursday night games, then you're going to have to join our Patreon, become a conqueror, join our Discord community. You'll get start sits each week. You'll get waiver wire suggestions. You'll get additional start sits for the weekend and Monday night games. Uh, it's not too late to join. Have your draft analyzed by Mike and I. And uh, you still have a chance to join and join a league with Mike and I to play against us. So you can find it at Patreon slash Draft, or you can go to ConquerDraft.com. Go to our Patreon page. And if you have any fan questions, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at conqueredraft.com or you can find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, X, threads, at conqueredraft. We'd love to hear from you. But now we're going to dive into our conquerors and busts for the season. So just as an explanation to everyone, what we consider as a conqueror is someone who is going to do better than what their average draft position is currently projecting them to be. And vice versa for the busts, someone who is going to perform below their average draft position. So with that in mind, we will start with our conquerors for the season. So I'll go first. I have running back Aaron Jones, who's currently going as the RB16. So Aaron Jones is a great running back. He's always had a great workload in Green Bay. Didn't matter what was going on. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers were still there he still got the work done. He was heavily involved in the passing game, the running game, everything. Last year, we saw him hold off A.J. Dillon, 
We saw him still perform decent in what was a pretty poor year for the Green Bay Packers offense, really. And the running back room hasn't changed this year. We now know that they were looking to get Jonathan Taylor, apparently, but (laughs) it never came through. So, yeah, (laughs) Yeah. uh, this would have been a very this would not have been my conqueror if if Jonathan Taylor ended up there. Um, But add into the mix that the Packers are starting quarterback Jordan Love, who is unproven, untested, whatever you want to say at the NFL level for more than uh, a game or two. So we can expect to see a reliance on the run game, I would say, this year especially where we've got their two top receivers are just entering their second year. So we've got a lot of inexperience in that offense. He is going to be the most experienced part. So I can see them relying on him a lot. I can see Jordan Love checking it down to him a lot. So because of that, I think he is going to be finishing higher than RB16. I think he has a chance to be within the top 12, maybe the top 10. All depends on how it shakes out. If he stays healthy the entire year and what we see from Love, Watson, and Dobbs. If they all make a leap forward together, obviously they're going to transition to more of a passing game. But at least for the first half of the season, you're going to see a lot of Aaron Jones. Yeah, with young quarterbacks, you know that the running game is going to be big and important there. And he, you know, he's really the veteran with all the experience on this offense. So I, I agree. I think he'll be utilized, lots of check downs, probably used on situations where, okay, we're third and a little bit too long to just run might try to use Aaron Jones out of the backfield by throwing to him those types of scenarios probably good in the red zone as well so yeah I think it makes sense and I think that he's someone who could be in your in your draft positions as you're looking at him being like oh you can get him at you know you I think you said 16 was kind of the average position and he's probably going to perform above those expectations because of those, just because of the circumstances around Green Bay. And that's why it's important to look at those circumstances in addition to the statistics, because Green Bay is in such a state that they're transitioned to a new quarterback. It's a young receiving core. It's a young quarterback. They want them to grow together. So they're going to rely on the veteran running back to really establish the offense each week. Yep, absolutely. Who is your first conqueror, Mike? Well, I'm going to stick with the running backs. And put my first conqueror, Alexander Matheson, from the Minnesota Vikings. Average draft position at about 2021. 20, um, I think that in the Vikings offense, their running game is still going to be a big part of what they do. It was a big part of what they did last year. Dalvin Cook in this position had a great year. He was thrown out of the backfield. He runs the ball. He's used in red zone situations. I think Matheson steps right into a high-power offense. Again, not on Thursday nights, not on Monday nights, but on a 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock game on Sundays, which is what most of the games the Vikings play. I think he is going to perform better than 20. Now, am I sitting here saying he's going to be a top you know, 10 running back? Maybe just on the outside. Like I would predict him around the 10 to 12 area i think 20 is just something where if you get him that late you you can steal you can grab someone later in the draft that you can steal and utilize in a big way so i think alexander matheson is going to be a big conqueror this year and he is going to be able to help keep that offense moving and i think the vikings are being really underrated josh i saw a prediction earlier from an absolute fool that predicts the Vikings will finish last in that division and that the Bears will finish first and win 12 games. So 
I think that uh, we're, we're forgetting that the Vikings are a very powerful offense. And just because Jefferson's there doesn't mean other people don't get utilized. They've proven before that they can fill that team with other offensive weapons and they all get an opportunity. So the Vikings were projected to be behind the Lions, the Packers, and the That's Bears. That's correct. And only when, only win seven games. Wow. All right. Which I think that is, is a, absolutely ridiculous. That's a spicy take. <laughs> yeah, uh, an absolute fool. I think we follow them on Instagram. They're foolish, whoever they are. All right. Well, I, have t- I have two quick questions for you for Madison. Um, number one, did you look at the Lions or the, the Vikings schedule? Sorry. Before you drafted him, no, because he is on your fantasy team. So I just wanted to know, That's like, correct. was that some? Did you did you look at that and be like, okay, they play mostly afternoon games? No, I no, I just like I I know they didn't. They don't have a lot of primetime games. Like I think they have two Monday nighters, and everyone has to play a Thursday. I think, um, or maybe they changed that. I think they must have changed that. We're not everyone has to play Thursday, but they might still. But I but I did like I noted that at most they're going to play two. I think they ended up playing three. But two or three was at most they were going to get. So I definitely assumed he, for the most part, would be playing in non-primetime spots. Um, so I, I didn't, like, look at the schedule deeply. I just knew that that was generally the case. They're a 1 o'clock or 4 o'clock team. Every once in a while, they'll play a primetime game. And, I like, honestly... I would sit most Vikings in a primetime situation because Kirk Cousins just can't do it. So even with that caveat, like I'd want to have a decent backup. When I drafted Alexander Matheson, I did think in my mind, well, there will be at least two games. I think it ended up being three this season where he'll have to be sit for someone else. Um, But yeah, I didn't like memorize the schedule, but I did know, well, they're not going to have too many primetime games. Okay, you answered my second question, which was, are you going to sit him for them? So Yes, I am, 100%. Okay. <laughs> well, this isn't a joke. That's the thing. It sounds funny, but it's just true. Like, we know Kirk Cousins can't do it. He has failed in primetime games time and time again. I am sitting him every single primetime game because I don't think the offense is going to function the way. Now, maybe if there's a matchup that, I'm, that I think they can overcome or like a Sunday night, maybe. But Monday night games and Thursday night games, absolutely not. The Vikings haven't had a good primetime game like in I don't even know how long. All right. There you go. My second conqueror is uh, switching over to wide receiver position. At Mike Evans, currently going as the wide receiver 32. So Mike Evans has never had a season without at least 1,000 yards, regardless of what quarterback he was playing with. So while Baker Mayfield is certainly a scary prospect at quarterback, We've seen Mike Evans in the past get it done with quarterbacks just as bad. Um, We even saw it last year with Tom Brady's pretty sharp decline in play. He still broke 1,000 yards with a pretty terrible offense last year. Also, the one redeeming factor for Baker Mayfield is he's actually a pretty accurate deep thrower. If if nothing else, he he can throw accurately deep. And that's where Mike Evans can make a lot of his yardage and a lot of scoring plays is in those scenarios. Um, you'll, you're definitely going to need Evans to get into the end zone more than a couple of times this year for him to pay off. But I think wide receiver 32 is a steal for someone who can, who has never not gotten more than a thousand yards in the season. So he can easily finish within the top 20, potentially top 15 wide receivers. And you're getting him at almost double that at wide receiver 32. Not that it matters, but did you see any of the preseason action from Baker Mayfield? 
No, I, I was not going to put myself through that. No. <laughs> I will say he looked no. kind of like normal. Not that that necessarily is going to mean anything, but he just looked like a normal quarterback. So that could be a good thing. Like if he just has a, a like normal season, you you could see dividends, maybe not for him, but for his receivers. Oh, yeah, don't, don't, like, don't, don't draft him. Yeah. No, no, don't no. Him. I, yeah. but, but, but you know what I mean? Like if he just has a normal season, he, mm-hmm. he could, he could, you know, deliver for someone like Mike Evans, Chris Goblin, like they could get strong statistics out of it in a good fantasy year. If he's just like normal and not a complete disaster. Yeah. And if, if their defense isn't as strong as it has been in the past couple of years, then they might end up having to throw a lot more. And that just ultimately leads like it might not do good things for Baker Mayfield, but it'll do good things for Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Right, and Mike yeah. Evans is the cheaper of the two. Definitely. Um, yet historically, they, they don't like they don't finish that far apart from each other. But right now you can get Mike Evans a good round or two later than Chris Godwin. So why why take the more expensive one? Yeah, I actually I like that pick more now that you've explained it. Um I was ready to absolutely destroy you over it, but yeah, you, you make a good point there. Like, I think, I think he, he could, he could be a steal if that happens. And frankly, you'd be getting him at not like a crazy price anyway. Like, it's not like you're risking something. You're getting him. People are drafting him so late that you probably could throw him in there. And it's not like you're giving up anything. Like it's kind of a, it could, it's a little risky, but a lower risk than some of the risks that, you know, we see in drafts each year. Yeah, like, well, for my team in our home league, he's my wide receiver three. I've got two wide receivers who I would hands down start above him. So then it just becomes a, okay, does he do what I expect? And he can just be my third starter each week? Or is it not shaken out? And I'm just going to swap him out for a different third wide receiver or a a third running back, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Um, it's not like a disaster. Like, wide receiver three, you want to have someone there, but... You're not, your team's not, you're not relying on him necessarily, but yeah, that, that makes it better. That, that's probably a better position for him. Yeah. All right, Mike, let's go with your conqueror. Well, I got to choose between two here. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to stick with, with the receivers. All right. Cause that's what you're talking about. So might as well, I'll give a receiver as well. My boy, Christian Kirk, Jacksonville Jaguars, average draft, like 29. 29th position in the draft. Listen, he Jacksonville, I think, is going to have a great year. I think this is a breakout year for Trevor Lawrence. He's been in the league long enough that he can finally have a big year, and he's got to drag some players offensively with him. And I think that because of Calvin Ridley, that's been taking away all the spotlight from everyone. Well, at the beginning of the year, teams are going to figure it out very quickly if, if Calvin Ridley is a big target. And you know who's going to benefit from that? I think it's Christian Kirk. If there's one Kirk to draft this year, I think it should be him. I think he's going to outperform that. I think he's going to be a very good number two receiver in Jacksonville that will get number one reception more often than you think because Calvin Ridley is going to get double coverage. He's going to get a lot of attention. He's the big name value. If Trevor Lawrence is going to have a fantastic year, Christian Kirk, I think, is going to benefit a lot from that, and he's being very undervalued. Now, again, I'm not saying he kind of very similar to Mike Evans. I'm not saying run and jump ahead to get him. Get him later in the draft, but he's going to outperform those numbers, and I think he can be a solid 
number two or three receiver option on your team once the season gets going. At the beginning, he's probably a bench player, but as the season gets going, I really think you're going to see a couple players emerge here for Jacksonville because I think they could easily have two or three offensive threats that have fantastic years because I believe in this team taking a step this year. They have to. This is the year for them to take a step. It's good enough for Trevor Lawrence. He's been in the league long enough. It's time for him to go to the next level, and that's what I think is going to happen. So I think Christian Kirk is a really good pick to grab that's going to outperform if you get him around pick 30 or so. I think he can outperform that number. Okay, so so your take essentially is that Calvin Ridley's arrival pushes his draft cost down, but you think mm-hmm. he'll still he'll still perform around the same? Yes, I do. I think his draft cost is now lower because of Calvin Ridley. There's a lot of hype around Calvin Ridley. We've seen the YouTube videos. We've seen the videos on Instagram. We've seen him run routes. There's a lot of attention going to him, but I think that's going to benefit Christian Kirk. I think he's just going to quietly have a fantastic year. All right. I mean... Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I think Calvin Ridley is going to be the main factor in that, because if Calvin Ridley comes in and he's just lights out, obviously that's going to have a negative impact on Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, if Calvin Ridley comes out and doesn't meet like what what I guess the current narrative of him is, is that he's going to be great. Um, you know, if he's taken a step backwards at all, then you're absolutely right. Christian Kirk, huge steal because he's mm-hmm. going to end up potentially going back to being the wide receiver one and you're paying a sixth round draft cost for him. Right. And that's kind of what I'm like at the, at the end of the day, I'm guessing, but I'm hedging my bets that Calvin Ridley will not be able to perform up to the standard that's being set here and up to the height that's being set. And then he will take a step back. If not right away, then throughout the season. So that's why I think Christian Kirk could be an absolute steal. He could be someone like I, again, he is another player I drafted. And I was mentioning at the beginning of the show that I was I was much happier with my performance in the draft late because I got players like Christian Kirk, Alexander Matheson, Damian Pierce, um, like way late in the draft, and they all could be have big benefit. And I think Christian Kirk's someone to keep an eye on. He might have a slow start at the beginning of the year, but I think if Calvin Ridley takes a step back at all, the only the one who's going to benefit is Christian Kirk because he's already been there for a year. He's shown a bit of. Uh, chemistry with trevor lawrence and i think that familiarity is going to make him like a solid like third down option to throw to you know sometimes just being mr dependability can can gain you a lot of things in red zone coverage so maybe he's maybe he becomes mr dependability and gets a lot of really good routes uh, thrown to him in the red zone well there you go he may not be getting the receptions yardage and he's making up for it with touchdown after touchdown yeah, I think he's he's certainly a safe floor, and we'll see what the upside brings with him. I'm very uh, excited about this pick, Josh. I gotta tell you. All right, it's one of three celebratory moments I had in in our draft was Christian Kirk one, Alexander Matheson two, and my third one was grabbing Tank Bigsby, also a Jaguar. All right, very excited for Tank Bigsby. Yeah, well, we'll see. Yeah, it does seem like he might end up having a role. You might have to be patient with him, but we'll see. Yes, well, that was your that's that was your news. Your your you yep. brought that in from the podcast, and I took it <laughs> and said, "Hey, I'm going to grab this guy." There you go. Let's move on to the busts. So my first bust at the tight end position, T.J. Hawkinson. Oh, he's currently convince me on this one. He's currently going <laughs> as the tight end three. 
And I think if you're drafting him at tight end three, you are drafting him at his absolute best case scenario. Like that is mm. as high as he is going to be. And that is everything goes goes amazing because he only had a couple of splash games last season. There there were a lot of games last year where he was borderline a bust for you if you started him that week. You know, he maybe got you five points. Yeah, that's oh, that's OK. Sure. Like if you were streaming a tight end and just needed grab somebody off the waiver wire and said, here, fill in for me for this week, get me five points. Perfect. Not someone that you're paying a tight end three price for a third or fourth round draft pick for. Yeah, he was kind of that like he's either going to be a bust or a conqueror, but there's no like in between like or at least a border like you're saying like five points is fine, but he would he would have five points and then follow it up with like 20 and then go back down to five, which yeah. was not good. Yeah. 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 So he had three splash games last year where he was in, I think, over 20 points in each three. But he had just as many where he was was below five points. And then he had a couple like in the middle. So those aren't really tight end three numbers. And now this year, the Vikings have brought in additional competition for targets with wide receiver Jordan Addison. Yeah. We've got, so, I mean, like... If you think that there's a few names in that area, like let's say in the third, fourth, fifth round of the draft, we've got Waller, Kittle, Pitts, Hawkinson. Hawkinson's going first. I think he could finish behind all of them because I think they're maybe not uh, Pitts. That's that's a shot in the dark. We don't know what we're going to get there. But Waller, I think certainly is going to finish higher than him. You can get him around or sometimes even two rounds cheaper. And uh, same thing with Kittle. If he keeps his connection with Brock Purdy and gets in the end zone that many times, he's easily going to leap over TJ Hawkinson. So I just think that I don't think Hawkinson's going to have a bad year. I just think you are paying for like what you're paying for him as the best possible scenario. Whereas with the other guys, you're getting a round or two discount for quite possibly the same result. You know, it's uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens here with this offense because the only scenario I can think of where what you're saying ends up still benefiting someone at its best case scenario is if he does still have those weeks where he is like far and the best, the best tight end. Like if he, he gets 20 plus points, even those other weeks, and it depends when those weeks are, right? You know what I mean? Like if they're late in the season and it's in your playoffs, well, he wins you around like that. He could be That's the right. difference, yep. but he also could lose you. By having oh, five <laughs> points when you're expecting 20. That's right. Yeah, he becomes like he could certainly be a playoff hero, but he could also be the guy who gets you sent home from the playoffs. So. But that's the, like that. So, OK, this is where this is where to me it's that that's such a risk. But OK, right now, you I don't want I obviously don't want to spend too much time on this, but I just want to get your opinion on this. Travis mm-hmm. Kelsey, Mark Andrews, for sure. You're picking over TJ Hawkinson, right? 100 percent. Yep. I would I would argue George Kittle and Darren Waller probably over TJ Hawkinson as well. I would certainly take Waller. Kittle I can understand if you go Hawkinson over Kittle. I okay. personally am Kittle. Personally. So is Hawk okay, but. yes, me too. But so so is Hawkinson the third or fourth tight end or fifth? Like how far down would you be dropping someone like Hawkinson? Fifth. So you, you're saying there's just four other tight ends above him? Yeah. And then Ky- Kyle Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts becomes the 
the wild card because he could certainly yeah. finish this tight end three as well. But he also um, could fall. Or tight end 30. I mean, yeah, he could be tight end 30. Listen, so. I know you drafted Kyle Pitts, and I know you want to be optimistic, but yeah, he could be 30. He could be tight end 30 by the end of this season, right? Like, he could drop Absolutely. that far. Yeah. All right, let's move on to your bust pick. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to stick with tight ends as much as I want to sit here and talk about this for 40 more minutes. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna throw a, a, what I'm going to call a curveball wrench. You can make a lot of people mad at me, um, even though I really do like this player, but I just think it's the draft position. B. John Robinson, running back oh, Atlanta boy. Falcons. So eight, eight, eight to nine in that oh, range. Oh, man. Listen, I just think that's too high because this is what I think is going to happen. If if he is if he is right now sort of like in the eight or nine running back or like number you know anywhere I've seen him as as high as four or three on running backs and as low as like nine or ten. If you're drafting him as the third running back and he's going there, he might be a, your first round draft pick near near the top. That could be really problematic because if you're doing that, you are forgetting that the NFL is a league with a schedule. And how that schedule works is their games late in the season become our playoff games. Bijan Robinson will probably come out of the gate flying. There will be games where he will have excellent, excellent game like points. He'll he'll put it up there. He'll be the only thing going for the Falcons. I understand all of that. When it comes to the playoffs, he'll be a bust every week because the Atlanta Falcons will not be playing in one meaningful game in the late in the season. And if they're playing another team that's playing in a meaningful game, they're going to get absolutely destroyed. They're going to play from behind a lot. He's going to get maybe some passing reception opportunities, but he you will see him start to float away in the near the end of the season. And if you're picking him first overall or like with your first pick, maybe you're in the middle of the draft, whatever, you should pick someone else and and try to get him later. Because I wouldn't, I wouldn't pick him in the first round because the, I don't don't want to rely on my star player being absolutely unavailable and uninterested and at a point in the season where they're long out of the playoffs, not playing meaningful games in my three playoff rounds, especially in the championship. So that's why I like him. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he might finish running back five six this year, but I don't think he's worth drafting as high as people have been saying, because the Atlanta Falcons are a terrible team and they will not be playing in meaningful football games near the end of this year. Even with how weak their division is? Even with how weak their division is. I think someone's going to come out of that division um, and and put force. And yeah, the divisional games will probably be fine for them. I still think that looking at that team and looking at what they're going to do, they're still, they're still going to be near the bottom of a weak division. And I, I do not think that uh, that lends to success late in the season. Um, I could be wrong. The Falcons could suddenly uh, be off to an amazing start, but are they going to be okay? Are they? So let's go through the teams here. The Saints are better than than they were last year. I would argue the Carolina Panthers have a big young starting quarterback who a lot of people are hyped on, who's definitely better than the Atlanta Falcons starting quarterback. And then we know what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are. So to me, they're in, like Atlanta loses games to the Panthers, loses games to the Saints, and probably has a good chance at, at winning both games against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just think that at the end of the day, that quarterback means more than, than it's being given credit. You need a good quarterback in this league to be successful. 
even with a strong running back like BJ Robin BJ Robinson, like he B. John Robinson, sorry, he's going to suffer by not having the same types of receptions that other running backs get from competent quarterbacks. I just think they're not going to be playing meaningful games late, and that's really going to drive his value down. Excellent start to the season. Weeks one through, let's say, 10, fantastic. Weeks 11 onward, which is near the end of our regular season into the playoffs, I think he's going to start to show degrading and, and his chart. If you could look at a chart of his progress, it's going to go down and down and down and down every single week. All right. So when 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 you write in angrily, just remember this is all directed at Mike. Okay, yes, do me that yes, favor. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. Bijan Robinson, I think he's going to be a bust in terms of where he's being drafted. If you can get him as your second or third pick, I'd be all over that. If I had another running back, maybe a wide receiver that I was really really happy with, and then he was third on my team, I have a great team. And if he you know falls off the map later, I'm a little bit more secure. But I think whoever drafts him right off the bat, you are going to have problems late in the season with him. Just my opinion. <laughs> All right. That's what the fans are here for. You got to give them what they want. All right. <laughs> <laughs> to get mad because of Mike. Well, I um, mean, you know, it's it's just an opinion. But when I'm right, we'll talk about it. Yeah. All right. Well, that is going to be it for our conquerors and busts if you want to see the rest of them you'll have to uh, go on to our discord community and uh, you'll have our full explanation as to why on there so now we're going to move on to our starts and sits for the season opener so again this is the only thursday night game that we will be providing starts and sits for because obviously our podcast released on a friday and it's no good telling you who you should have started last night but so we could try <laughs> We could try, yeah. It would See be if... entertaining. <laughs> yeah, we would be recording before the game, so it would be interesting to see if we were right or not. But Maybe we'll do that right. every once in a while as a treat. Yeah. Uh, but for the season opener between the Lions and the Kansas City Chiefs, so just some controversy between Mike and I already. So someone that I have as a start, he has as a sit, so we'll just talk about that. And that player is Jared Goff. Yeah. So You're saying start him. I'm saying start him, and the reason why is, and we don't have too much time to dive into this, but the reason why is because the Kansas City Chiefs, in my opinion, are going to get out to a lead. They're going to put a lot of points up on the board. As much as the Lions improved last season, I think Kansas City is still obviously a dominant force. They're Super Bowl champions. They're going to put up points. As a result, the Lions have to play catch-up for, if not all, the majority of the game, which will probably lead to plenty of passing attempts because they have to try to take advantage of the clock and get down the field. I think it's going to lead to Jared Goff having to throw the ball a lot, rack up some touchdowns, especially towards the end of the game, some garbage time. That's great for a fantasy quarterback if uh, he's getting garbage time points because he's getting big passes, big completions, and touchdowns. So feel free to fire him up for the season opener. And Mike has the opposite view. I have the opposite view because I think of Jared Goff as a game manager. He is best when he's slow, methodical, throwing in a lot of running and passing attempts. The big pass opportunities happen because of their efficiency in the run game. Um, I think Jared Goff is not the type of quarterback you want to put in that situation. I think that logic holds up in terms of any game time situation. You're going to play from behind. You're going to be gunning with the ball. You want to put a quarterback out there who can do it. I just don't think Jared Goff's that. To me, the scenario that Josh just painted leads to interceptions. So that's why I'm saying I think Goff's not really going to be able to compete 
in that way. He's going to throw a lot of picks late in the game that's going to really bring it down. So I think Jared Goff, to me, that's the wrong type of situation, especially I don't think the Lions should be kicking off the NFL season, and that's going to come back and bite the NFL in its butt. Well, I agree with you there, at least. Um, and Mike and I are going to be having a, a fun little tally going throughout the year to see who who does better in the starts and sits. So right off the bat, we're going to find out... Uh, yeah, you're going to keep track of that, right? I don't want to do that. You do it. Yeah, I'll keep track of that. Don't <laughs> you worry. You keep yeah. track of our stats. <laughs> yeah, I'll take care of that. Um, so, Mike, real quick, who is your start then? We've got your sit. So mm-hmm. who's your start? Uh, wide receiver for the Chiefs, Sky Moore. Um, I think that the Chiefs are a team that often has a lot of different wide receivers getting thrown the ball. Other than Travis Kelsey, we've talked about on the show before, Mahomes likes to spread the ball around. But I think that every once in a while – someone's going to have to emerge each week and it's going to be a bit of a roll of the die opening night. It's going to be, you know, prime time. I think a, a receiver like Sky Moore is ready to have a bit of a breakout. And I just, again, think the the unknown name might be the one that gets thrown out in coverage a bit. It's like, okay, we got We got to go after someone else. I think I, I, if I, I was reading something, I think Tony might, or Tooney might be, might be hurt. He's questionable. So there's there, there might even be more opportunities for Sky Moore to move up that depth chart. He's generally in and around the receiver three position anyway. I think Sky Moore is someone who you could put in and have a good one. Now, hopefully he's not your starting two receivers. But if you're looking for a good roll-the-die flex, I think he might be able to have a great game to kick off the season. So I'm going with Sky Moore. Yeah, Tony, they're optimistic that he'll play, but... Yeah, uh, but you never know with injuries, right? Like, Yeah, you never know. And so. if we learned anything from Patrick Mahomes last year, it's that he's going to throw the ball to Travis Kelsey and then anyone else after Anybody that, so. else. And I think Sky Moore might put himself in the position, being the one who's not, you know, down to scandling or someone who, like, people know as much. I think he might get himself in a position where suddenly he's in one-on-one coverage and can handle it. He's a speedy little guy, so let's, let's see him work. All right. And my sit for this week is David Montgomery. So this kind of correlates in with the same game script that I see coming for why you should start Jared Goff. It's why you should sit David Montgomery. Uh, Montgomery is kind of like the thunder to the lightning of uh, Jameer Gibbs. He's the bruiser goal linebacker for the Lions. Unfortunately, in a game script where they're likely going to be playing from behind, you're not using the bruiser back very much. You want the guy who's out there running, catching passes, running routes. Um, That's what we expect to see from Jameer Gibbs. We don't expect that to see from David Montgomery. So in a situation where we're primarily leaning towards Jameer Gibbs, I just don't think David Montgomery is going to have as much of a role this week. I think he will be very valuable in terms of fantasy, just like Jamal Williams last year. But for this particular game script, I think he's better off on your bench and then bring him out later on down the road. Yeah, I think that's fair for this first game, um, if, if it goes that way. Now, again, I one of the things we talked about just before we started, you think this is going to be a blowout. I don't think it's going to be that much of a blowout just because it's the first game, and I think it might be slightly closer. But still, I, I do agree with that. I don't think the Lions are the ones to be hedging your bets on anyway. Like, if you're going to start players, they should be out of the KC side. I think they'll win the game. But again, with the first game of the season, the Thursday night, those games are generally not great, you know, Detroit can sometimes have a very good defense if the game might end up being closer, at least at the beginning, and then maybe break out sometime in the second half. Yeah, I'm just not willing to bet against Patrick Mahomes, you know? No, I, uh, no, I'm with you. I think they win. I, I sure. think they win big. That That's where I 
I think they're gonna they're gonna go big, but we'll see. We'll see. It's the start of the new NFL season. Anything can happen. I'm very excited for it. I cannot wait. I just want to be watching football uh, so I can be laying around watching football instead of laying around doing nothing. Yeah, I actually, uh, I just realized today I'm actually off for, like, off work for the opening, the season opener and opening weekend. Nice. So, there you like, go. Di- didn't, did not do that intentionally. I was actually pretty bummed because I looked at my schedule at first and I was like, oh, I'm working all day during, like, opening Sunday. And then I realized I had the weeks mixed up. And I am free and clear to just watch football and uh, do nothing else. So that's what I'm going to be doing. I'm going out to uh, there's a bar doing a special uh, one cent wings deal for the opening game. So I'm going to that for the opening and then I'm spending Sunday watching TV alone and watching football all day <laughs> and getting harassed by me via text. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. If, if I do very well and you have a poor week, then the harassment will be the other way. Well, no, then I'll just be, it'll just be self-deprecating harassment. Well, or Still. you'll just be silent. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'll just be raging at you. Trust me, there will never be silence. It will oh, yeah, be. Oh, because it's my fault that your team yeah. is underperforming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that is it for us. Hopefully you guys are just as excited for the start of the NFL season as we are. Take care. Stay safe.